this is Top Quality Faith Ministries podcast, a multicultural global church mandated by God the Father to love and to serve as an instrument of the body of Christ. This is the house where God builds top quality faith in his people. Wherever you are listening from, we pray that you are blessed by today's message. And for those of you who may not know what I'm saying, I have the ability to interpret what I'm saying, so I may clue you in here and there, but I'm really going somewhere in the spirit, so. Oh, Heavenly Father, even as I come before you, Lord, I rest myself before your throne. I lay down my will. I allow your will to go forward. Lord, even as I enter in, I let your will be done in me. I offer up my life. I offer up every area within me that you may utilize this vessel for your good. But Lord, even as I enter in, I give you honor, I give you praise, I glorify your name because you are almighty, all powerful. When it says I am, you are the only one, the Alpha and Omega, beginning (laughs) and the end of all things. Time lies in your hands. And Lord, even now, you know where each one of us is at on our journey in you. Lord, I thank you for their ability to stand and to endure. Lord, I thank you not only for their ability to stand and endure, Lord, but something that keeps coming back that you keep pressing on their heart. They continue to come forward as you begin to move within them. And Lord, I surrender this message over to you and I lay down all things, my understanding, my way of looking at things that you may rise in me. And even as you teach me, Bring them into the space. Bring them into the space that I've created for you. Bring them all the way in that they may be transformed, renewed, and changed by your word. Oh, and even now, Lord, you know where each one stands. Speak to their heart. Speak to their hearts. Touch them in the way like never before. Lord, I don't want them to be high on you, but to be transformed by your word. Because that's what it's about. And so I surrender all things to you. Have your way. 
You know, we all have this way of looking at power. We all have this way of looking at authority. And sometimes we see that more pe uh, pe some people have more power and authority than we have. And sometimes we will get into the place and we will exalt their power and authority more than we recognize the power and authority of our Lord. There's been many times I can recall where I looked at a certain situation and I felt like I was weak, I was helpless, I was hopeless in that factual situation, not recognizing that God was much more powerful, much greater in my circumstance than anything. A lot of times, you know, we say we walk by faith and walk by <laughs> sight, but technically we don't because we lose sight of God when things become difficult, when things become out of our hands and we begin to try to, how would I say, fix things on our own. And then when our adversary comes into play and they tend to be more powerful, much stronger, much greater, we tend to cringe and fall short even to the point of where we literally find ourselves in helpless situations. Wow, totally helpless situations. I'll never forget one of my family members had to go before the judge on something at, that they did and God gave me a word to give to that individual when it was a, he showed me a Monopoly get out of jail card free. And I gave the word, this is a Monopoly get out of jail card free that I gave to one of my family members and I said, this is what the Lord told me to share with you. Well, during the midst of the court trial and all the stuff that was going on, that person's faith went like this. And they believed that the system had more power over them than, than God had. And I recall as they're going forward, you know, it was to the point whereby we start blaming others. Well, you're the one that got me in this situation. You're the one that did this and da-da-da-da. And the more fear began to set in, the less um, my family member end up believing that God had. But when the final verdict came forth, it was literally like, you're set free. And then all of a sudden, God is remembered. <laughs> uh, God is praised, God is glorified. And then we remember who was really doing the work behind the scenes. 
But a lot of times God gives us, and we've been seeing over and over in the scripture that God gives us the end, but we tend to not look at the end. We just cling to what we believe and not hold on to what God is literally saying. And I find myself, as I look more into Moses, how God is constantly encouraging these group of people just to trust and believe. Uh, he's also creating storms on the inside of them to cause them to be transformed, renewed, and changed. And he wants them to come into this new promised land, not in a slave condition. And many of us have the slavery mindset. We are slaves to the system. Uh, I have a family of cousins, it was 14 of them. And out of the 14, there were probably about five out of the 14 that wasn't slave to the system. And when I say slave to the system, it's the government system. It is a system that paralyzes one and the person believes that they cannot do better than the system. So they continue to have children after children after children, and they stay on the welfare system because they don't think that they have enough wisdom to basically stand up as individuals. It is a paralyzing system, and so we get caught up in Satan's system. Satan is one who enslaves man, and he enslaves men by making them believe that they're not worth anything. They make, he make them to believe that their conditions is the only condition that they have. There's no other options. There's no other choices. There's nothing else that you have. And so you live in that place of fear. So you never overcome because you are slaves in the system. God says, I've come to set the captive free. But a lot of times we think we are already free. And we are captive. And we're held captive in our ideas of what we perceive as what truly looks like freedom. And it's the ability to be able to recognize who's Lord, who's king in all circumstance. Lord, did I say that correctly so that I can move into where you're going? Thank you. Behind the scenes, I hear him talking to me. And, and, and I think you guys don't know, if you don't know me, most people know me, I have a full conversation with him. I hear a male's voice, some people may not, but I hear a mature male voice that basically speaks outside of my own language. Meaning, I'm never gonna say, you've done well, daughter. Okay, so when I laid the foundation, he's literally saying, you've done well. Because the key here, I want you to start to look as this message goes forward and look again at the places within your life you're paralyzed. And as you begin to look at the places that you are paralyzed, uh, I I'll use a perfect example as my youngest daughter. Oh my gosh. I, if college doesn't hurry up and go away, <laughs> I, I don't know how I'm going to survive. She's not a test taker. 
She's an individual that has the knowledge, but when it comes to taking a test, she overthinks, she has anxiety. It's not that she doesn't know the work. She has anxiety, she freaks out, she panics, and then boo-hoo tears comes, and then I'm held captive. Okay, because she's saying, Mom, get me out of this. Pray me through this. Okay, in most situations, she comes out with an A. But with me, it's a fail because I can't comfort. I can't help her through it. I can't be on the other side of that test to make sure she's, she's getting the right answers. I, I literally tell her every year, pay for a tutor. Get a tutor, because if you don't get a tutor, because it raises her confidence. When she knows somebody is on her side, it raises her confidence. But that doesn't mean that when it comes to that final exam, her confidence is there. And so normally, in a semester, you get two finals. And in them two finals, I get two freakouts. And the two freakouts are so bad that you will be the parent to say, oh my God, don't answer this phone, because if you answer this phone, you know exactly what's on the other end. There's a kid that's crying, and they're not crying like a normal kid. They're crying hysterically to where you hear the <laughs> in between your cries. And I know it's coming, and I dread it every single time. And then I will ask at the beginning of her semester and say, what classes did you take? And she'll tell me. And then I say, are they considered to be easy? Yeah, mom, they're easy. Yeah, mom, they're easy. And by the time we get to the second first test, why are they not easy now? Okay? Why are we having this struggle? But God tells her every single time, in that slave mentality, because it's a mindset. It is where her mind rests. I cannot pass this test. I'm freaking out. I didn't study. These things speaks to her, and they speak to her very low. That's her bondage. And it tells her she's going to fail. So while she's sitting there taking the test, she's looking around at everybody who is excited about the test and doing an excellent job in taking the test. But for herself, she hears fail. And you can't talk her out of it. And then after she finishes the test, she literally calls me and says, I failed. And she cries four days. Then the final results comes in and she said, Mom, I'm cool. It's bondage. It's in bondage to anxiety. It's where the enemy holds her captive. And she cannot get free. And some of you are the same in this room. When it comes to certain things, you are paralyzed. You are held captive. And you cannot see what's real based on what's fake. And you're crying out in distress. 
but you're never looking to the Lord. He is your answer. But we choose to stress. I use that as a way to get you guys to see this message with the hopes that you come from underneath these things. Pondra can even be like, I ain't got a dime. Bills come up. Oh, I know how that feels. Bills come up. No check is there. And, and you're freaking out every month. Even to the point where you're trying to pay a bill, you're freaking out every month. I'm a person that keeps mad money on, on the side. And I have a limit in my mad money. Well, I don't went over my mad money. Do you hear me? I don't have any more mad money. Now I'm, I'm stuck into my savings. So my mad money is gone, and so I'm freaking out. Because now I've got to dip into my savings because I don't abuse my mad money. I got mad too many times. So now I'm in that place to where I'm looking and, and I have a form of freak out in it. And God is literally trying to get me to trust him, but I'm still freaking out. So we all have a way of being in a place of bondage. And that place of bondage is where something holds us captive. Something holds us captive, even though it proves itself over and over and over and over not to be true. We still have the same response to it. Get it? Same response. If you have a car problem, you're getting your car started up, and when it doesn't start that first time, guess what? You're in that freak out mode. You put yourself in that position, and so as you're driving, you're constantly thinking that this car is going to stop. And all it has to do is stop on you one time, and it puts you in an uncomfortable position when it stops that one time. You have that same feeling every single time you get in the car. And it speaks to you even when you don't want it to. So if you really look at bondage, it's a whole bunch of things that we get. Whole bunch. We even go to a little thing, the Holy Spirit just popped in. Clothes not fitting right. You guys know what that feels like, because we all got that, right? <laughs> and, 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 and we're pulling, we're shoving, we're tugging, we're doing everything to keep ourselves in alignment. And, 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 and for some reason or another, it's just not fitting. You try diet, you try this, you try everything in the world, and it just doesn't work out. And then these two tight clothes you put on again, and you're hoping that it just hides itself because you want to be hidden. And if somebody says, ooh, what you got on? It's like instantly all of the anxiety comes in. And then I realize I'm enslaved to it. You guys now see, right? So let's go ahead and go into the scripture. Wow, we're about to have some fun. Because you're going to be set free. Exodus 6. God's assurance to Moses. Reading from Enduring App, Enduring Word App. Okay, I really want to make sure you guys hear. God assures Moses. God assures Kathy. God assures, put your name there. God assure, is, is assuring you that he's with you. 
and that he's going to take care of you. But last week, uh, Friday, we learned that God stretches us, right? You're being stretched, okay? Many of you guys didn't realize, but you're being stretched for something better. You're being stretched for something better. Especially if you're children, you're definitely being stretched for something better. You're supposed to always exceed your parents. You're supposed to go beyond your parents. So you're being stretched for something better. So a lot of things you're seeing your parents do, you know how you get in your mind, I ain't going to never do that. I ain't going to never do that. You're being stretched for something better. But a lot of times we judge our parents so harshly that we never stretch. Get it? You can't go beyond your judgment. So you got to free them. Let's get stretched. God comforts Moses. God's promise to Moses, Pharaoh will let you go. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will let them go, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. Let me stop you right there. He said, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. With a strong hand, he's going to let you go. With a strong hand, he's going to drive you out. So the Lord is stretching you, but he's dealing with what's dealing with you. So I want to make sure that you understand there's still something that's dealing with you that God is dealing with as well. So it's not just you basically coming out. He's dealing with whatever that thing is that's dealing with you. He's working in you an understanding of how to overcome this thing. So he's dealing with this thing. So you being pushed, but also whatever this thing that's dealing with you is being pushed to. It's being pushed into a place that you recognize, I ain't going there no more. Because you then can see it and say, "Uh uh-uh, not today. So you have to really see in this, God is trying to get you to understand not only is he's dealing with you by stretching you, but he literally says that I promise you you're going to get to the other side. And so if he's promising you up front that you're going to get to the promised land, then that means he's removing anything that's in your way. And that includes the things you're enslaved to. Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. Carrying the story from the previous chapter, Moses was discouraged by what he thought God's lack of action on and help. God's reply to Moses. Moses was discouraged by God's lack of action. So he thought God wasn't moving. Isn't that where we're at? I'm always thinking that God's not moving. Or he's not moving fast enough. I, I, I would say it that way. He's not moving fast enough. Hurry up, Lord. They're coming after me. Lord, hurry up. Okay? So he's not moving fast enough to get me to the place I need to go. Let's go further. God's reply to Moses showed that he wanted him to know that the Lord was in control of it all. 
Moses was discouraged because he was too impressed by Pharaoh and not impressed enough by God. Did you guys get it? Sometimes we're so impressed by the things that are happening and the people around us that we don't, we're not even impressed by God. God, that's deep. I'm not impressed by God. And a lot of times I'm not impressed by God because I don't really know him. Have you ever said to yourself, God ain't done nothing in my life? To show he's real? I have. When I first begun this walk, I literally said, Lord, if you're real, you got to show me. Because I can't serve something that don't move for me. Get it? And, and a lot of us are in that state because we haven't showed him, asked him to reveal himself fully to you. We don't know. As if it's you, show me. We have the right to ask him to help us by showing us that he's moving. He says, say that again. You have the right to ask for help. He always wants you to see him because he knows if you see him, you're going to tell others about him. And so if you ask him, then he will reveal himself to you and show you and even cause you to see what he's doing so that you can turn around and testify to others who he is. The woman at the well said, come and see. She wanted everybody to see him because he moved so mightily by telling her who she was and so she wanted everybody to know that he was real there's so many times in the bible where they say come and see or they say taste of the lord for he is good well the reason why they're saying that because they have really given a testimony of what he's done and so God wants you to have testimonies of what he's done. And so how do you get a testimony unless you ask him, hey, help me do this and show me that you're real. I can never see you moving, Lord. So how do you know he's moving for you if you never asked him? How can you truly say that this is the hand of the Lord in my life if you never asked? But we ask for material things. But a lot of times we don't get material things because that's not what we need. Get it? That's not what you need. Money is not the answer. Freedom from bondage is the answer. Get me out of this place. Get me out of this place. I grew up in the heart of South Central. And I probably grew up a little bit different than many of you guys. Some of you guys may have the same type of life that I grew up. But I believed that there was a God. And I believed that there was a God that could help me. My mom was a person that worked and she had a life. I'll say it that way. She had children and she had a life. So that meant the children were home alone because she lived her life. 
And so that means we had to fend for ourselves. And many times we would be in the house with no food. She had great intent. She would start off in the morning and say, here go X amount of money. Go and get you guys some food. But she didn't realize it was supposed to be breakfast, lunch, and dinner. She had every intent to come home for lunch or for dinner, but she got caught up in her personal life. And so she wasn't there for lunch and dinner, and so that money was supposed to last the whole day. So if she gave us money for cereal, that cereal was for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And many times, when you have older siblings, and it's five kids, a, bo a box of cereal doesn't feed five kids, especially when you know that your brothers are going to pull out the bigger bowls, and they're going to use the bowls that mom makes food in, okay? And they're going to give you the little bowls, okay? Which is the little smaller ones, and that's all you're going to get. And... You go in, there was nothing in the reserves, in the cabinets for us. But I believed that there was a God. And I would always ask him to help me. Neighbors would feed me. Get it? Not only is it that neighbors would feed me, but in addition to that, I even had others feeding as well. So I really want to make absolutely sure that you understand that God has provision. But you know, when he makes provision and you're a little kid and you don't know you're getting provision, what normally happens when you don't know you're getting provision? Oh, little girl, you want to come over here and you want to stay and eat with us? What do you say? No, I'm going home. My mama said, go home. And then you go home and then you're sitting there crying because you had food because you didn't know how to say, yes, I want to stay. And so God made provision for me in many situations and when my mother didn't show up to come home. Even in that, he gave me a job to open and close a gate. Get it? Open and close a gate, and I got, a, I got a paid for that. And so in that, God made provision. So in that, in the midst of my circumstance, when I cried out, I said, help me, Lord. If you're real, help me. Not only did he help me, but he helped me to help my siblings. Because the resources I had, I used it to help my siblings. So in that, God is a God of provision, and he will help if you ask. And you got to trust him when you ask him. I'll say it that way. Go a little bit further. We have a meeting later. So she's handing keys. Don't worry, it's okay. Uh, um, for with a strong hand, he will let you go. God promised that not only would Pharaoh let ch the children of Israel leave, he would drive them out with a strong hand. Did you get it? He said, not only am I let you leave, but you're going to see my strong hand in this situation. And one thing I love about Moses, the book, of, everybody knows Moses because they made a movie in one point in time, all of you guys seen it. And you all, all the things that Pharaoh had to contend with as a result of the Lord moving on Moses' behalf. But it's not just for Moses, but it was for the children of Israel. So let's go further. You want to clear that? 
It was an AA meeting coming up later tonight. Um, this seemed impossible after Pharaoh's initial reaction to Moses and the message from the Lord. So the, Moses, Pharaoh's initial reaction like, I ain't letting them people go. In fact, I'm going to force them to work harder. And so I'm not going to give them straws they're still going to have to make their same quarter of bricks and they're still going to have to complete their job within a certain time frame. So he literally said, no way. And if you stop to really listen at, at this message, how often do you hear no way? How often do you hear that it's not gonna work out for you? Sometimes you even say that to yourselves even before you start out. That's the area of slavery. That's the area of bondage. Especially if a woman's trying to lose weight, she's already untold herself she's defeated. <laughs> it's the area of slavery, area of bondage. It's literally telling you that you're defeated. It's literally telling you that you'll never get to your end state. You'll never get to your goal. And so you hear it constantly. And so you have to learn to remove the roadblocks within you and 90% of the time, that roadblock starts with what you have built to keep yourself in that bondage. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Holy Spirit said, before you go further, he said, say no to yourself. Just say no. 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 Now say it again. No. Now listen to how no will speak back to you even when you're not saying it. You still hear the word no. You still hear the word no. Your mind is trained to hear no. So even though I'm not telling you to say no, you still hear no in the back of your thoughts. Now, say, I can't get out of this. Can't get out of this. Now, say it again. I can't get out of this. He said, say it one more time. I can't get out of this. He said, now watch. He said, it only takes three times for your mind to hear these words. And then it repeats itself over and over to you. Now, whatever situation you're in, it's telling you, you can't get out. And no, you don't have the ability to get out of it. He said, this is how the enemy holds you. He said, now I want you to say the word, I'm afraid. Three times. Now, you should hear, I'm afraid. 
even going off on the inside of you. Better yet, you'll hear all three of them. They never stop. Say it louder. Exactly. Because God has trained you not to cling to these words. But many of us have not been trained to not to cling to these words. So these words become foundational things that written on the inside of us to keep us in the place of bondage. And any sight of anything that's going to fail, you're going to automatically go into the place to say, I can't get out. Because once these words are said, you automatically see yourself locked in bondage and you can't get out. We will free you guys from that as we go further. This was a wonderful, grace-filled message to Moses. God said, in effect, Moses, not only will Pharaoh let them go, with a strong hand he will drive them out of Egypt. It's so funny. He tells Moses, not only will he let them go, but he will drive them out. We don't hear that. For some reason or another, we hear the things that readily speak to us. We tend to overlook truth. We tend not to even allow truth to resonate on the inside of us. Because we don't believe it. It would just be like me saying to someone, I'm going to promote you. And in that place where you heard the words, I'm going to promote, you say, there's no jobs in here I can promote into. This company don't promote people. These people been in their positions forever. So we literally look at that word and we see it as impossible. But God is literally telling Moses that I'm going to do this and you're going to see this. And you're going to see my mighty hand moving and flowing through you. But you're going to see Moses still lacks the ability to stand strong in the word that he heard. And this is why many of us are in some of the places. We heard one thing, but we're afraid to believe it. And let me give you an example. I hear so many times God says, I'm going to fill this house, and I'm going to overflow it, and then I'm going to push you out of here. And I say, okay, Lord. I say, so if it's you, send one. He sends one. If it's you, send another. He sends another. And then I sit back and I say, well, Lord, you sent one, you sent another. But 
How do, how, how do I even believe that? He said, if you would trust me, you wouldn't ask for one or two. You would say a thousand. And in my mind, I said, we don't have 90% of the time the faith to believe for greater. And this is what Moses is. He didn't have the faith to believe for greater. He's telling him what he's going to do. He's telling him his mighty hand, but still we don't see it. Hear what the Spirit of the Lord is trying to get into you. Let's go further. This was the divine declaration made in answer to the statement of human difficulty. Everything began with a solemn charge to Moses. It is first an, an answer to the complaint which God's servant uttered in his presence. It was a message of divine self-assertion and therefore necessarily a message of grace. God of the covenant confirms his promise. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, Lord, I was not known to them. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. I am the Lord. In reminding Moses of the great name of God, Yahweh, he confirmed that he remained the covenant-making and covenant-keeping God, who would absolutely fulfill his promise to Moses. When all human help has failed and the soul, exhausted and despairing, has given up hope from man, God draws near and says, I am. Did you guys hear that one? So it's when you come to the end of yourself. When you're no longer trying to do it yourself. When you're no longer in that position trying to say, I got this. God comes in. He comes in to rescue. He comes in to change things. He comes in to build in the place where you surrender. Many times, we don't surrender. I go back to the conversation that I had when I said I lived in the heart of, of South Central. I watched what my mom worshiped. And I said, there gotta be a bigger God. And I said, if you're out there, show me that you're real. Invite me into your kingdom. Because I cannot serve the God she serves. Because the God she served was powerless. The God she served didn't answer her prayers. The God she served didn't move to the extent that I wanted him to move. 
It was the show God. And what I mean by a show God, we make God out to be show God. Lord, show up when I'm really having a bad time. And he would show up every once in a while. And then he vanished. I would always see my mother crying because of that God. And I never understood why she cried. He showed up in her sorrow. But I never seen the victory in her life as a result of him showing up. I wanted more, so I asked for more. You have to ask for it. It's not something you just automatically get. Moses is in this place that he asked God, if you go back to the prior chapter, and he asked him what went wrong. Why did he not move? What was the issue here? And he began to speak to Moses in a way to let Moses know what he was doing to not only Moses, but to the people. He wanted a people that was free from bondage because he didn't want them to go back to their prior state and condition. The funny part about it is my mother's God, my mother would get free and she would go right back to the old condition. You would see her doing the same things and that would really freak me out and piss me off, I'm gonna say it that way, because she would go back to the same thing. She would get free and then she would go right back and start doing the same thing. And I'm like, oh no, didn't you learn? And so I said, Lord, show me what freedom looks like. That I may live in a place of freedom and not be held bondage to someone else's past. Bring me out. Rescue me. And keep me. But then I said, teach me how to raise my children so that they don't be in that same bondage. So that they may be free indeed. But one thing I want to make sure that you understand, I taught them, but still we choose what we want. Because we still have the right to choose what we want. It's a choice. Let's go a little bit further. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by, but by my name, Lord, I was not known to them. The patriarchs were privileged to know the God who made the covenant, but for them, the covenant was barely fulfilled. The patriarchs knew God as the maker of the covenant. Moses and the gener generation of the Exodus would know God as the one who fulfilled the covenant. Mm. So, so when I stopped to hear this one, I was like, okay, you're the maker of the covenant to the patriarchs, but you're the God who fulfills the covenant to me. Mm -hmm. 
So I need to know the God that's fulfilling the covenant. So I'm in a covenant with you, and I want to see the fulfillment of your covenant. And then he said to me, I'm not only going to fulfill my covenant, but I'm going to cause you to bring others into the covenant you're in. And he says, and they're going to come bursting forth as a result of what I do in you. And then I said, let your words resound in me. Because you are the fulfillment in me. And then I acknowledge that I can't do this without you. Let's go a little bit further. The patriarchs knew the name Yahweh. It is used some 160 times in Genesis. But the great application of the name referred to God who keep and fulfill the covenant. I have also established my covenant with them. The patriarchs had only the promises, not the things promised. Get it? I'm after the things promised. I'm after the things promised, so I'm saying, fulfill in me the things that you promised in your covenant. You are the promise keeper. How often do we sing that song, him being the promise keeper? So I know him as the promise keeper, so he's promised to keep his covenant with us. But if you don't have a covenant... He can't keep it. So you have to come into a place of relationship with him to have a covenant. You can't say, give me the promise. And that's where many of us are in that place where we ask for the promises of God, but we have no covenant. And to get into covenant means to basically put him first. He can't be there when you have difficulties only. He has to be there even when difficulties doesn't exist. And the funny part about it, we don't even know what difficulties look like until they start what? Heating up. We all have difficulties all, time, all day, but we don't acknowledge them until they heat up. Let's go a little bit further. As God Almighty. In addition, though the patriarchs knew God Almighty, El Shaddai, they did not know him as extensively as and intimately as he would reveal himself to Moses and his generation. They knew the power of God but didn't have the same personal relationship and revelation Moses would come to know. I want to make sure this is where the Holy Spirit said to me, I want to show you who I am. I want to not only show you what I, who I am, but I want to build my covenant with you.
And the way he wants to show, he wants to do signs and wonders that you may see that he is so. And this is the season that God is flowing in signs and wonders. And so I asked you, will you catch his flame of fire? Will you grab a hold of him? Because he's desiring to show you much more than just covenant. Read that back, what he just said to Moses, because I need you guys to hear it. Um, in addition, though the patriarchs knew God Almighty, El Shaddai, they did not know him as extensively and intimately as he would reveal himself to Moses and his generation. So he wants to show you how extensively and how intimately he is in the relationship with you. So he wants to be intimate. And he wants to have an extensive relationship with you. I'm saying, oh my God. Because it's beyond where I'm at. It's greater than what I could ever imagine. And his power is endless. Endless. Go further. Let's go further. <laughs> they knew the power of God, but they didn't have the same personal relationship and revelation Moses would come to know. Get it? So they knew the power of God but they did not have the same personal relationship Moses would come to know. But God is looking to even have a personal relationship with you that speaks beyond Moses. He says, I'm doing greater things. Hopefully you guys got that. He's doing greater things. Let's go further. For us, God wants to be more than God Almighty. He wants us also to know him as a personal, promise-making, promise-keeping God, mm. whom we can trust in everything. Believers should ask themselves, if they really know God by such names. The what was the name? What was the name? Back. God Let's Almighty. Mm -hmm. What was El, the other one? El Shaddai. Yahweh. Exactly. Say that one louder. That's what he wants you to know as a personal promise maker and a promise keeping God. Just to take that in, a personal promise maker, promise keeper God. Um, <clears throat> 
desire to be that for us. But going back to covenant, a covenant is something that two people agree on, not just one. So this has to be something that we are agreeing on. He wants to make that promise. He's already made the promise to us. And he even spoke to me earlier. He said, a person, my people's, okay, hold on, I wrote it down. He said, my people's purpose. Can we get you to a mic? Go sit next to your brother. He said, my people's purpose, or my people, yeah, my people's purpose matters. And as you walk out the purpose that he's called forth, all these promises just start naturally occurring because you're walking out the kingdom. As you're walking out what he's called, the kingdom follows you naturally because it's our natural state. So these promises don't, you don't have to force the promise into your life. But what, what happened to me? And what happens a lot of times is you're like, okay, I hear the promise. Now I'm going to go back to my life, and I'm going to hope that that promise comes by continuing to do what I've been doing. And that's not how it works. Because now we're walking out the, the purpose that we think we have rather than resting in the purpose God has called for us. And we, we said it earlier. You either get to the end of yourself through trying to walk out your purpose or you surrender now and walk in his purpose now. And, and many of us know the things we need to surrender. That's the stuff we don't talk about, you know, the hidden things. You know, that's the enslaved things. You guys know what that is. Mm -hmm. The stuff that nobody never, think nobody knows. But God sees all things and knows all things. Let's go a little bit further. The supreme need in every hour of difficulty and depression in us is a vision of God. To see him is to see all else in proper proportion and perspective. Read that again. To su the supreme need in every hour of difficulty and depression is a vision of God. To see him is to see all else in proper proportion and perspective. Okay, so all my depression, all the stuff that I'm going through is to see God because God is able to turn all of these things around. So to see these things is saying, oh, God, you're moving in me. To see these things to say is to truly say, oh, my God, this is part of my covenant with you, that you are literally bringing me through these things. So to see these things is to understand that I am being set free. Wow, got a whole new way of looking at that. So if I see it, then I'm being set free of these things. But to ignore them means that I choose to cling to them. <laughs> to hide them, I'm clinging. But to acknowledge they there and ask for help then he is able to move in himself, in you. Let's go further. I have remembered my covenant. God had remembered his covenant. Now Moses was called to remember his God. Moses was called to hear, remember his what? His God. His God. 
God's promise of the seven I wills to Israel. Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. I need you to reread that. And I want you to put where he's talking about Egypt and put kingdom of heaven. Um, Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the kingdom. I will rescue you from their bondage and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, your God, who brings you out from under the burdens of the kingdom. And okay. I- so, so what he's literally saying here, because a lot of times we get hung up with the Egyptians, but God is bringing you into a covenant. And that covenant, he's really talking about the covenant. And so he's talking about the things that resonate and happens here on earth. So he's literally saying that he's bringing you into his kingdom. His kingdom. And and out of the kingdom that you live here that you think supports you. Okay? This place does not support you. Okay, it is a system that is set up for you to 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 cling to it. I love that in in the times where we were all in bondage, when we had to wear the mask and we had to do all of this COVID, we were in bondage because the government was giving us money, and we thought that that was the best thing ever. Oh, we're getting over. We're, we're doing something great. Unemployment was okay because you were relying on a system, a false system. Do you get it? And every one of us thought it was great. Well, how much money you get? How much money you get? We thought that that was great. But the funny part about it, many of you took that money and put it right back in the system because it created a panic, and that panic was no food, no toilet paper. And you went and you hoarded these things, and they took exactly every bit of that money back because you lived in a state of bondage, and you didn't even recognize you were in bondage. And so you were buying and selling under fear. Wow, you thought you got something. You didn't get nothing. 
And if they didn't get you there, they hiked the gas prices up so that they took the money any way they could. And so if you didn't willfully give into the system, they made you use your vehicle and they still took it from you. And you submit to this system. Kingdom is much better because it doesn't have price hikes. Let's go a little bit further. Continue. Um. <laughs> Say that one louder. <laughs> Once and for all, he gave his life. Uh, and I will bring you to the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. I used to always look at this and say, well, you just gave it to the Israelites. I'm being grafted in. What do you have for me, Lord? I don't know if you ever asked that question. You gave it to them, but what do you have for me? And, and you know what he said? I have much more to offer you than I gave them. And he said, and the reason why is your obedience and your submission. And your willingness to believe that I am the true and only God. Why would I not offer you more? And he said, and you have clinged to me with everything that's in you. And he said, and you speak of me all day long. He says, I am in your life. And you know who I am. He says, I have revealed myself to you in many ways. And you have turned to me and forsaking all other gods. Why would I not offer you more? He said, you have my heart. And he just literally says to me to say to you, dwell in the places where I am. Hear what the Spirit of the Lord says to you. Let's keep going. Therefore, say to the children of Israel, the previous statement seems to be more for Moses himself. Exodus 6, 2-5. This falling word was given for the benefit of Israel as a whole. 
I am the Lord. God went to the furthest length possible to confirm this covenant with the children of Israel. In seven separate I will promises, God said, I'm going to do it. You can count on me. The promises were glorious and equally so in their spiritual application to believers today. I will bring you out. I will rescue you from their bondage. I will redeem you. I will take you as my people. I will be your God. I'll, be, I'll bring you into the land. I'll give it to you as a heritage. Each of these verbs are in the Hebrew past, i.e. perfect tense instead of the future tense. For so certain was God of their accomplishment that they were viewed as having been completed. There is a strong contrast with the later five I will statements uh, of Satan in Isaiah 14, 13 to 15. The great difference is that Satan was powerless to make any of his I wills come to pass. God is more than able to fulfill each of his promises. Go through the Isaiah or no? Let me stop you right there. Got another task for you guys to do. Holy Spirit is so cute. In this particular situation, say, Lord, will you rescue me? And in your heart, you should hear him speak. Lord, would you rescue me? What do you hear, you guys? You should hear, I will. You hear it. You automatically hear, I will. Satan, will you res rescue me? <laughs> Satan, will you rescue me? Satan, will you rescue me? You don't hear nothing. <laughs> I already have. Yeah, exactly. You keep yourself in this place. Okay. What'd you hear? See? Okay. So it is he that constantly speaks. And his commitment to his covenant rings true even as we asked him. He said, I need you to tell him that I cannot lie. And a lot of times when you're hearing lies, is in your lack of surrender. I'm going to make sure I'm clear with that. In your lack of surrender, the enemy speaks. And he sounds like God, but he's not. And he sometimes tells you, you've got to jump over this, and you've got to do this, and you've got to do this in order for things to come true. You already know that that's not it. God is not a God of performance. And that's how you know it's not God that's speaking to you because if you're always caught up in the place of performance, he is a God of surrender. All you got to do is surrender. I let go. Make room for him. 
Bradley's been saying by the Spirit, come up, enter, go into the deep, go into this. Really spend quality time with the Lord in the deep. And then the Lord literally said to me again, I keep saying, why are they not going? Why are we not here? Why are we still trying to get to the deep? Why are we trying to get to the place where Christ is? He said, they don't know me. Some may know me as Yahweh. Some may know me as El Shaddai. Can you do me a favor, get the names and what they mean? Because I think you sent it to me. Mm -hmm. Read the names off and then I'll push to you. Because some of you guys know him by certain names because of certain things he's done in your life. And I need you guys to hear. Adonai Jehovah, the Lord our sovereign. El Elohi Israel, God, the God of Israel. El Elyon, the Lord most high. El Gibor, the mighty God. El Olam. All right. <laughs> the Hebrew names of God. Adonai Jehovah, the Lord our sovereign, El Elohi Israel. Elohi Israel, God, the God of Israel. Yan, the Lord Most High. Many of us don't know him. Right. And the reason why? Because we never see him as higher than anything. Set apart, set above. Supreme. 
See why we don't see him? Yeah. Go ahead. El Gabor, the mighty God. We don't see him either. Oh, yes, we do. He said, you sing about me. <laughs> Hear it in your songs? Yeah. You are mighty. Yeah. El Olam, the everlasting God. Don't know him. El Roy, the God who sees. You see him. You guys see him. See what they're doing to me, Lord? You know what they're doing. You see him, Mike? El Shaddai, the God who is sufficient for the needs of his people. Oh, Lord, give me this. Lord, give me that. Lord, give me this. Oh, oh, you, you, you hear it in the big churches, okay? You've got a miracle coming your way right now, okay? Just sow that seed, okay? Sow that seed so you can get this miracle. And you've answered. Jehovah Elohinu, the Lord our God. He my God when nobody else chooses him. I got him. You know how you say that? I trust God. I know God was going to do it. Mm -hmm. You really didn't, but you're telling everybody. I know God was going to do it. <laughs> Jehovah Elohim, the eternal creator. That's Bradley's God. I'm being real, because you guys see it. Oh, the internal creator. He's talking about atmosphere. He's talking about universe. He's talking about going into the deep. That's, that, that's Bradley's God, okay? <laughs> it is so true, because some of you guys, oh, that's where Bradley goes, okay? <laughs> You, you literally say, I don't have an invitation to that part of God. <laughs> I know. Because <laughs> when Bradley started talking, you're like, oh, my mind just zoned out. Okay? That's Bradley's God. <laughs> Not realizing that's an aspect of your God. Jehovah Hosanu, the Lord our maker. Hmm, you guys know that. He made me. He made me. We only like the good parts of us, okay? <laughs> he made me. He made this. He made that. <laughs> he made me, but he made some defects in me, okay? You guys know, right? God, how many of you guys know? You see how many you're missing of him? You're missing the very important parts. You only know bits and pieces that you think look good. Jehovah Jireh, the oh. Lord, our provider. Oh, I know him. I know him. Shoes. I know him. Mm -hmm. That's all I know. I call on him all the time. Where's my provider? <laughs> <laughs> Jehovah Jireh, 
And Jen. then I even say, and give her something, and give him something, and give him something, give her something. Lord, remember them. <laughs> even though I'm laughing, but it's true. Jehovah Mikadesh, the Lord our sanctifier. You guys know that one. You know how you sit in the church and you say, oh, I wish such such was in this church today because they need that message. <laughs> Sanctify them, Lord. <laughs> you don't see that one? That was clear. Uh-huh, because you literally be like, ooh, that message really should have hit them. Okay? Exactly. But you're saying they need to be sanctified. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner. Yeah, I don't know. You guys all know that one. You got t-shirts. Oh, okay. You got t-shirts with a banner on it. Or are you wearing them, what would Jesus do, rings, uh, bands? You, you know, you, got, you, you know what that one looks yeah, like? Okay. Like you're marketing Jesus, but you don't belong to one. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord our shepherd. Didn't you guys know him now? That means he's leading you. I don't need to be led. Just when I get there, tell me. <laughs> Even though I'm laughing, I hear the Holy Spirit telling this is crazy stuff. <laughs> Because you want to show up already there. You don't want to say, hey, Lord, let's, go get, let's get to this journey. Let's walk together. And, and you don't want difficult things. And you don't want to walk through anything difficult. But a shepherd leads you by the way. Okay? And sometimes you fall into ditches. And, and he has to pull you out. But we just want to be on the other side and say, okay, Lord, that was a great hike. It's like the day that I went on the hike with the church. I stayed at the back and said, we finished. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, that was a good hike. I stayed at the end. I was like, oh, God, we went on the hike. I didn't join the hike at all. I went two steps and turned around. <laughs> But then I claim victory with everybody. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Here they come. Here we go. <laughs> Keep going. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. Oh, I know him. Oh, he showed up so many times. I'm like, Lord, get whatever this disease is off of me. Lord, I ain't dying of this. Okay. So we know him as that. Some people only know him as the healer. Jehovah Sabbath, the Lord of hosts. That's a foreign name. Keep going. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. That's a foreign name too. 
Because we say give us peace, but we don't stay in peace. Right. Jehovah Shama, the Lord is present. When he present, we run, we scared. Jehovah Sikanu, the Lord, our righteousness. You guys know that one, right? I'm right when you're wrong. I'm right because God told me. It's the Lord Arak Jehovah Suri, the Lord Save Jesus, the Word Logos, our dwelling place, Maon, and the Anointed One Messiah. So while we are going over all the Jehovah names, which specifically means Lord, um, Holy Spirit was whispering to me and he was like, do you see me as Lord? And I said, I don't know. Do I? He said, no, you have not given me lordship over certain areas of your life that you've been praying about. And I looked up specifically what Lord means so we can get a little bit more concrete definition. Lord is someone or something having power, authority, or influence, a master or ruler. So what he was saying is you cannot call me these names until you have given me lordship over these areas in your life. You call on this name, but then you go about and try to get it your own way still, and you have not fully given me or surrendered mastership, rulership, power, authority, influence over these areas in your life. Um, there are other names that was not mentioned by Precious here. Father, Abba, Lord, Master, Adonai, I think she did. The beginning and end, Alpha and Omega, the Ancient of Days, Atik, Yom, the Anointed One, Christos, Living God, El Chai, and the God who gave you birth, El Chul, the God of Knowledge, El Dea, and the Mighty God, El Gibor. And so when you begin to look at all of these names, you can truly see that there's an area of opportunity for each one of us to draw closer to understand truly who he is. That's why he says, for the invitation is there, but they cannot come because they do not know the God they serve. This message, I'm going to get to the names as well, but um, the rooting is in self. And as the message goes forward, I can see the soil around the roots of our bondage kind of spread. And I asked the Father how we deal with the roots, and he said relationship with him. But then he said, but we struggle because we have a, a lover of self-relationship instead. We have more of a relationship with these bondage and with self than we do of him. And he said, I cannot put my name upon them because they will claim it as their own. There's an aspect of when these names are going forward, the ones I've communed with, 
I immediately cheer up and feel the inner dwelling of that realm expand within me because I have allowed the communion to happen there. There is an aspect of self, a piece of self that you have that you will have to get rid of, I would say, or allow to let go of in order to enter into some of these names and let these names enter into you. If that makes sense. Yes. So we can say, yay, he did this for me. This is who he is. I know him. But there is a deeper knowing where you commune with the reality of that name and the expanse of it outside of this place. Holy Spirit says for me to say to you guys, I do not teach that you may live in comfort. I teach that you may live in relationship with me. Comfort is to make you feel comfortable in the word, to make you see yourself and you be all right with you. That's comfort. Many times you have comfortable messages. Comfortable messages allows you to stay as you are. He teaches in relationship to bring you up out of the place of comfort into a relationship with him. A relationship means that when you're in a true relationship, you're willing to give up. You're willing to give more. You're willing to show your true colors. You want me to go there? You're willing to be in that place where nothing about you matters. It would be like a girl passing gas in front of a guy and don't think nothing of it. Okay, that's comfort. And a guy being able to go to the restroom and not worry about how he sounds because the woman is in the room. A true relationship is to be able to expose the things that are uncomfortable to you. Okay? Like, babe, why you can't eat? <laughs> well, I'm full of gas. But why are you full of gas? She can't say. Because she's uncomfortable to say that I've been holding it in while I've been sitting at this table with you because I don't want you to know that I'm gassy. And in the place where God is, he's literally saying, I don't need you to hold in your frailties. I don't need you to hide them because I know they exist. And I overcame them. And I'm not here to point out your sin. I'm here to build a relationship with you so you can get through the things that you're contending with. The problem is that we don't know him because we think he's out there constantly pointing out our shortfalls. He's not one to point out your shortfalls because he's died for them. He knows they exist in you and he knows that you're struggling with them. And so all he wants you to do is to recognize that these things are bothering you and give them over to him. He never said to you fix them. He just literally said, acknowledge that I am Lord in these places. No, Lord, I got to fix myself before I come to church. Oh, you'll be fixing yourself for a lifetime. Mm 
You'll never enter into the house of God because you will never be perfect in your own eyes. Because it's impossible to be perfect when he's the only perfect one. You're here because of the fact that you're looking for something different. You're here because of the fact that the places you've been to did not sustain you. But all of us desire truth. told me to kind of talk about myself. Um, in, in a relationship, there are, um, with the Lord in the, the quiet place, there are places that you still may not want him to see that you're scared of. And it's kind of that thing that you may not even know of self quite yet, but you for some reason are closed off to it. And so you kind of allow him to show you and you think you've surpassed it maybe already because of all the work you've done, but then it still exists there and it's, it's, you feel weak and you might feel tired and ashamed and upset by it, but he's lightly and sweetly revealing something because the root of where that exists needs to go away so that he can expand into the reality of where you should exist in a different realm. And so there's a place that is partially uncomfortable yet covered by his love. But it's the willingness in a relationship to really allow that vulnerability uh, to happen because you can trust him, you know? And even with me, it's like there's things he brings up that just like I sob and I cry because I'm just like, oh, I thought I was past this or I thought I was was doing better or whatever, but it's not even about that. It's, it's more so about like the willingness to let him bless you in a relationship that is a deep communion because he cares for you. And if he's bringing it up, it's because you are conquering it in him. So it's a deeper soil that allows you as an eternal being to re-exist in that place of relationship where you were from the beginning with him. And then you feel it in a communion that goes beyond this realm, beyond feelings, beyond... Uh, it's, it's an intimacy that is just like juicy, but not of this world. He told me to break it down in layman terms, because I think a lot of times we miss God. Because we don't recognize the simple things that are inside of us. Is when you get to the end of yourself and you know that you're stuck. And you feel the welling up on the inside of you and you don't know how to stop that welling up. And there's an inward cry because you don't want to be like you are anymore. 
And because you don't want to be like you are anymore, you're crying out. Sometimes when we feel it, we run from that feeling. I'll say it like that. We run from that feeling because nobody wants to cry. Other times when we feel it, we then become, and he become my provider. And what we really say, don't leave me in this place. Don't leave me where I am. That's the banner of the Lord. That's where we're crying out and we're literally saying, I cannot go any further without you. I am at a point that I am desperate. And only you can redeem me. Then he becomes that redeemer. In this place is something that happens in you that you don't tell nobody else. But it's an aching. I mean, aching. It aches on the inside of you. And you try to shake it and there's no shaking it. You try to run from it, there's no running from it. It like it keeps coming back and it pulls on you. And the Lord literally says, in that place, I am Jehovah. And then I see himself spreading himself around you. And then he becomes that peacemaker in you. It's not necessary that he takes the problem away. He teaches you how to deal with it. And the sorrow as you're crying, because most people don't want to cry. As you're crying, you're releasing it. Most people don't realize that tears is a release. It's a tears. What's happening on the inside of your vessel, your spirit man, it is flooded with the anointing. And the anointing heals. The anointing restores. The anointing provides that comfort. It is a place of restoration. And your soul can move forward. There's been many times I've been in that place where I just cry because I know I'm at a, 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 pay, a, a fork in the world where I know I can't go back and I gotta choose him to move forward. It's not when you're in a battle of a fight and you're crying and you're gonna lose. That's just your pride, okay? It's not that kind. You know what it feels like. It's a place I'll say where I've been, where I felt so rejected. And that rejection's just speaking loud to me. And I'm so tired of dealing with that spirit. And I'm saying to the Lord, I cannot, I can't go further because this rejection is eating me left and right. And I have to give it to you. 
and you're crying, and the way he pulls it out of us is so funny, it, it's, it's through sometimes family difficulties. You guys know that. Relationship hurts, that type of stuff. He pulls it out, and, and you keep trying to deal with it, and then you finally come to the end, and you say, I can't do this no more. Then the next time you see the person, you all okay, because you're like, ain't my problem. You got it now. And that's a place where you can walk in freedom. But it doesn't happen until you surrender. Hopefully that answers your question. As he said, break it down in layman's term because everybody knows that place. It's a broken relationship where you, you, it's like you keep going back to the same old thing and then you keep telling yourself you're not going back to it, you're not going back, and you keep going back to the same old relationship and it's hurting, it's hurting, it's hurting. It's taking everything about you out of you and you're not true to yourself anymore. It is that place. And the Lord says to you, daughter, I desire to free you. Amen. It's where you've lost sight of you because you've been trying to be everything to everybody else that you're not true to you anymore. You've lost sight of who you are. And in that place, you have sought to give up. And even in that place, you've even told yourself you don't want to live anymore. And the Lord says, I am your redeemer. I am your redeemer. And this is for, God, this is for you. This is for you. This is for you, and this is for you. The Lord literally said that spirit of shame can no longer rest upon you. And I want to make sure that you know how it gets you, because it's always trying to tell you that you're failing. And the Lord literally says, this is for you. He said, come out of that place of shame. He said, no longer should you be in that place of shame. And, and you know how it gets you? It makes you feel like you're good enough is never good enough. And the Lord literally says, in that place, there's no shame anymore. Come out of that place with shame. And in that place where shame keeps hitting you, it unclothes you. Okay, and it makes you feel like you have nothing to offer. And the Lord literally said, and, and, and when, it, when shame is there, he literally says, it, it begins to point out deficiencies in the vessel. Okay, so that means you then start hovering up and hiding yourself because of the deficiency shame brings forth. And the Lord literally says that there's no deficiencies in me. And so you can no longer live in that place of shame. It would even say to you, Chelsea, you got two children and you're not a good parent. That's where that shame comes from. It literally tells you you made a big mistake in your life. 
even to the point it tells you to give up and get rid of the children. Even in that place of deficiency, the Lord literally says, no more. No more. No more. I need your name one more time. Tommy. Tommy. Wow. I hear a cry in you to where you're crying out. You're crying out. But in a sense, you're crying out, but you don't know the God you're crying out to. And he literally asked me to ask you if you would just trust me, son. And he said, and if you would let me into your heart, you got yourself on lockdown. Does that make sense? And what I mean by lockdown, I see a key, I see a lock. You don't let nobody into your space. Because of the hurt you experience, everybody's on lockdown. You trust nobody. And the Lord is literally showing me that he has the key to your lockdown. And he's opening you up and he's going to touch your heart. And he's going to heal the pain because there's a lot of sorrow, a lot of pain. Even to the point to where I hear confessions of what type of man you said you're going to be. And I hear these confessions, but even in your confessions, you're still falling short. And God is literally saying, can I redeem you? Can I invite you into my covenant? And, and even to the point in that place where you're locked down, I don't know where the shame comes from, but you got a lot of shame too. It's like a lot of things. It's like it's been following you all your life. And the Lord literally shows me in this. He's, he's been walking behind you, literally removing everything you keep picking up. I see you, when, when I did the exercise of talking in and talking things to yourself, you talk yourself out of everything. And the Lord literally says, not so. It's like even when God puts things in your heart, you're automatically saying what you're not. And so Lord says, I am giving you the strength to push past yourself into the places where I've called you. You know how you will back out of something and you literally say, uh-uh, I ain't going to do that. Even though you know you can do it, but you will sabotage it because you don't like failure. And so Lord says, I am not a God that fails. Will you trust me in the impossible? Your brother one day heard a word that he was going to be a firefighter. He believed it. 
Even though he got crazy things going on, because that's what you say. But the Lord says, but he has faith to believe. I challenge you to believe me, son. And watch what I do for you. But in God's world, there's no competition. What he's going to do for you will be greater, but there's no competition. So I want to make sure that you see that. And in that place where you surrender, God's going to be faithful to you. Hear what I'm saying? And you even got trust issues in relationships. Oh my God, you got a lot of stuff that you got. And the Lord literally says, stop overthinking because it's part of you overthinking. There was something I had to do as a young adult and it helped my life. My mom's problems were her problems. My mom's problems, not mine's. Sister, my mom's problem was her problem. My mom's problem was not mine's. The Lord is responsible for my mom. You are not responsible for your mom. You are not your mom's protector. You are not your mom's shield. Do you hear me? Stop being her protector. Stop being her shield and live your life. You won't stand up in your own life because you're so busy trying to protect her life. God has her life and has her. You got to let her go. And you got to let the rest of the family go. And you got to stand up in you. Because their life causes you fear. Which causes you to be paralyzed. And the Lord says, I have given you much more. He says, I have called forth much more in your life. You promised me because you made some promises to him. You made some promises. And he says, and I hold you to your promises, daughter. You promised you're going to do something different. You promised that you were going to put him first. You promised that you were going to build a relationship. And that you would sow seeds and help people out of situations. And the Lord says, I hold you to your promise. But you cannot fulfill the promise that you made because you're so busy tending to them. He said, they are not your responsibility. I created them, he says. So therefore, they're minds. You get that, daughter. And Surrender your anger. You're like me. All this stuff made you mad. It keeps making you mad. And the Lord says, surrender your anger. 
He went inward, you got mad. And you keep getting mad. You keep getting mad, so that's why you're trying to raise them. And the Lord says, they're not your responsibility. Because you, you, you get mad at the world. Oh my God, you get mad. And the Lord literally is telling you to remove yourself from that anger. You can't fix them. That's not your job to fix them. Your job is to pray for them. Pray for them. That's what you said you were going to do. That's what you said you were going to do. Yes, he's in your business. I don't know something about school. How are you doing in school? Okay. Something about school. How are you doing in school? <laughs> Sound like you're not fully applying. Because you're smarter than what you're, you're giving yourself credit for. It's like somebody that just does enough to get by. But you've created for something better. So if you apply yourself, you will get to where you're desiring. Because you have that same idea on the inside. When I graduate, I'm getting out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I had that same thing. And I'm never coming back. Okay? But the Lord says, but I'm calling you to something greater. So I need you to apply yourself. I need you to study. I need you to start dreaming. He says, I need you to start looking at colleges. And I don't want you to undersell yourself. He says, for it's time. I built it in you. Still feel the presence of the Lord, so I can't move forward just yet. We're not on a time clock, Eli. We're not on a time clock. We follow the spirit of the Lord. We sit and hunger after the Lord. That's what makes this church different. That's what makes people come because they want real truth. They're not looking for milk. They're looking for solid food. And they desire to grow. And the Lord says, I have brought you here because I have placed my word on the inside of your son. And I shall cause you to speak into the lives of many. And he said, but it's going to require your obedience, son. He literally says to me to say to you, stand still and you'll see that I am God in you. I see you've been searching here, you've been searching there, you've been searching here, and I just see you just searching all over. And the Lord says, you now found me. He said, this church serves the living God. He said, they are small, but they are mighty in the spirit. He said, for 
you shall see the things that you desire. You've even asked for God's power. You asked for God's presence. And if you would lift your hands up even now, just lift your hands up even now, God will begin to muffle. Lift your hands up, not one. Lift your hands up even now. That the presence of God, I yes so baha, ho bakaya sikiradamaha, ho, ho, yadabaha, ho, that it yes said yadabaha, ho, the bakaya said it in a moko, ho, the bakaha, haya to pokosha, pokosha, pokoha, maya ho. And the Lord literally says, I have given you an impartation of my power, and you will know that I am Lord in thee. And I just hear him still saying trust. Billy, if we can go a little bit further. We're stopping at four, and I don't know how close to four in this one, two, A, B, C. <laughs> I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For the first plainly stated time, Moses was to tell Israel what God ultimately promised to not only deliver them from the bondage of Egypt, but also give them the land promised to the patriarchs. I will bring you out. A great deliverance, but nothing to that which Christ hath wrought for us from the tyranny of sin and the terror of hell. I am the Lord. With this, God concluded the promise by reminding all of his covenant-making and covenant-keeping name. This is four. The response of the children of Israel. That's where we stop. He said stop at four. Did you hear what he said? Read that last one again. I am the Lord. With this, God concluded the promise by reminding all of his covenant-making and covenant-keeping name. And so we went through a host of his names. We got to learn of him. We got to learn how we use some of these names. And God's concluding that he is the promise-keeper, that he desires to be in relationship with each one of you and to really solidify that relationship that you will know him by his full name. And I am is his full name. It summarizes every name that we went through. And he says, I need you to believe me. Agnes, the Lord just shows me like you've got so many. Hmm. The way he shows me is he shows me Inspector Gadget. The Inspector Gadget had so many things he could do, but he didn't know how to use all the stuff he could do. 
But when he was tested in difficult times, he figured it out. And so God is literally saying, I have given you so many things and you arrayed so beautifully. He said, you should figure it out. You should know what I called you for and what I called you into. And you will understand why you're walking the journey that you're walking. Like, oh, why am I this great boxer? Because of what you're called to do and the time and the hour that you will stand and speak for him. There will be an award that will go forward and God will give you a mic to speak of him. And in that place, you're going to be, how would I say, empowered by the spirit to really speak according to what God is calling forth. Lord says, here, I have set the table. Did you hear? I have set the table. And he says, and all are invited as a result of what I'm, I'm doing in you. So the things that he's doing in you, he's going to invite others into the place because of what he's doing. You're going to tell of your journey. You're going to tell of your disappointments. You're going to tell of your faith. And your faith is what's going to cause others to change. And in that, people were going to come and say, wow, how great your God is. Because they can testify to the journey that you walk because they're walking it. I don't know if any of you guys paid attention in worship that as Douglas opened his mouth, it rocked everything on the inside of us and it just like, whoa. Yeah. And the Lord says, son, I am with you. And he literally shows me like he's with you through the end of time. And the Lord literally says, son, I am with you. When he spoke, didn't you notice it like, what the heck? Where did that come from? Uh, and it was the power and fire of God flowing through him. And the Lord just reminds me to tell him how much he's with him. And Arcelli, he just continues to say to me, to say to you, to trust him. He said, trust him when things don't make sense. I don't know, but he says, trust him with this home and the things I shall bring forth as a result of your faith. Billy, he just calls you his messenger. And then he says to me to say to you that his, your life speaks of him. And he just says, believe in all that I have placed in thee.
where you're sitting, he said, have all, each of them just to raise their hands. You need a mic before I can go. Because we're calling them into a place. We're calling them into covenant. We're calling them into a relationship. We're calling them further to beyond. I don't, is it, I'm sitting up here saying, which brother? Pass the mic. <laughs> That's so funny because the father was speaking to me and he says, not you, me. And I said, okay, Lord, will you bring it forth then? Cause I'm not going to raise my hand. <laughs> so praise God, man. Um, you talked about relationship. That's what the Lord wants to bring forth. This is an invitation, this entire scripture. And it's going to make it because of what he's been bringing me into. And he wants me to go through this. And I want you to see, he wants you to see this as the invitation to relationship. And he says, I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, but I was not known to them by the name the Lord. He's coming to you with something new. This is new. I also established my covenant, my promise and agreement with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land they lived in as aliens. Furthermore, I have heard the groaning of my people whom the Egyptians are forcing to work as slaves, and I have remembered my promise. He says, I have remembered the promise I spoke to you, the groanings of that promise that have come from the Spirit when you have cried out. Therefore, tell my people, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from the forced labor of your tasks, your taskmasters, and rescue you from the slavery and bondage you are in. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and great acts of judgment. He wants to make it obvious. He's going to make it obvious. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. He wants that relationship. You will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from the forced labor of your taskmasters, of your bondage. I will bring you to the land that I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The land of promise. The things you've been crying out for. The things that I have promised to you. And I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. And he says, I am calling out for relationship. I am calling out for relationship. Put these other things aside. I'm calling out for relationship. And he says, and even where you're at, he says, I want you to start praying against the things that have been literally causing you to stumble. I want you to start praying against these things and releasing these things to me that they no longer have power and authority over you. He says, even where you have heard no, 
I want you to bind that spirit, which is a lying spirit, and I want you to cast it from you. And, and he said, repent for your agreement with that lying spirit. He says, today you are set free. Today you dwell in me. Can I have you to can I have you guys to be quiet for just a moment? Can I have you guys to be quiet for just a moment? Does everybody pray in the spirit? Does everybody pray in the spirit? Does anybody in here that don't pray in the spirit? You? You like you pray in the spirit? Mm. Can somebody help him? Do you want to pray? Because it definitely gives you power. Okay. Mm-hmm. He wanted us to move into this place where everybody is joining in the spirit. And he didn't want anybody to be left out. And as soon as he gets it, we're all going to stand in a circle and we're going to pray. So, Mike, you're ready to pray in the spirit. You got this. He literally says, you must, I said, Lord, oh, and watching all this going on, this is so awesome. He said, you must see the love I have for my people. And then I go on to say, Lord, I don't want to be drunk in the spirit. You know how you said that. I don't need to be on crack in the spirit. <laughs> I said, because if this is about crack, I can't be part of it. <laughs> and so I'm saying, He said, 
All this time, as my word's been going forward, I've been standing amongst them, massaging my word on the inside of them, that they may see and know that I am the true and living God that dwells on the inside of them. You need not be concerned, for each one of them received of me and received my word, and my word shall produce on the inside of them. Know that what you have stood up for shall come forward with fire, with power, and the authority that you have delivered my word. And then I say, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. And then I said, Lord, this feels like in my house, in my, in my room I call break room, Lord. <laughs> that I take a break in that room for you. He said, it's more than a break in the room. He says, because I am breaking through in each one of their lives. Then I praise you. I praise you. I praise you. Got it? Want to look at me one, real quick? If he can look at me. You know how a baby says mommy and daddy for the first time. What do they say? Nah, 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 nah. And you guys seen on the internet to where these babies have this gibberish conversation and, they, and they're having these full-on conversations with their parents and the parents don't know what they're talking about. You know, Cinnamon sent me a message and I make you guys laugh. She's like, this is how, because she watched the grandbaby outside last week. She said she was outside just talking to her, talking about all kinds of crazy stuff. And so she sent me a picture of this little kid looking at snow and talking to her mother. And she's literally saying, mom, this is snow on my hand. Is this like this ice that I get in the cup? That's what she's saying to her mom. And then her mom doesn't understand. She said, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. And, and in that, she's saying, can I eat it? And she puts it up to her mouth to eat it, but mom don't know what she's saying. She just said, uh-huh, uh-huh. So, when you're speaking in the spirit, others around you may not know what you're saying unless they have the gift to interpret. Like I can be, I can eavesdrop on your conversation because I can hear what you're saying. But for the most part, most people can't, especially Satan, he can't hear what you're saying. He cannot interpret it. So that means your mind, you know how in the past you prayed to Jesus and it was like pray to Jesus then all of a sudden, Sunshine, rain, stars, and all this kind of stupid stuff comes into your mind and you forget you were praying to Jesus. This way, it prevents you from having all this other stuff going on when you're truly surrendering. And so in that, I always do this, okay? I say, what do you say? Just pray in the spirit. Don't think. What do you say? We're saying, oh my Lord, we give you glory, we give you honor, we praise you, you're most high God. You're worthy of praise, you're worthy of praise. Oh Lord, there's none like you, there's none like you. Lord, all belongs to you. So now we just pray together. I'm going to go, you're going to go after me. Give me more. Move your vocal cords. Give me your vocal cords. 
Okay, now I want you to say the word potato. See how your vocal cords move all over the place? Now say potato chips. Okay, now that same, then you see how your vocal cords moved? Now I want you to one more time with me. I want everything on the inside of you to move, like you said, potato chip. Go. Keep going. But keep going. There's more coming out of you. Keep going. Talk to me. We're talking to each other in the spirit. And so what you're saying to me, oh my Lord, this is real. Oh my God, I can feel it. Something about this is real, Lord. That's what you're saying to him. Yes. Your spirit man is saying, I thought I was lost, but now I'm found.
If God is building top quality faith in your life through this ministry, we pray that you will partner with us by giving. You can visit our website, tqfm.org. Also, remember to subscribe for more messages like this.